Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Splash, 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 apply a little splash. When your windshield's getting dirty, just apply a little splash. When your windshield's full of grime, bugs, dirt, and snow, just use a little splash and be safe on the road. Splash, 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 apply a little splash. When your windshield's getting dirty, just apply a little splash. See safely on the road when you apply a little splash. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I am your host, Mark, and this episode kind of took me by surprise, i got to admit. I'm joined by pedal steel guitarist Spencer Cullum. Not only is he an in-demand session player in Nashville via London, but he's also been playing with Miranda Lambert for the past four years. And not being a huge country music fan, I really wasn't sure what to expect. But what I got was one of the nicest conversations I've had this year. Spencer learned the instrument with the legendary B.J. Cole, He's played Stonesy Rock with the Deadstring Brothers, and he pushes the boundaries of pedal steel with his band Steelism. And he's got a new album out called Spencer Cullum's Coin Collection, which he likens to a cult, but with less death. It's less country, more metal-era Pink Floyd, if you ask me, and you should probably go buy it. Check him out on social media, and check us out at Performance ANX. Subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like these shows, consider picking us up a cup of coffee at coffee.com slash performance anxiety. That's ko-fi.com. There's no commitment whatsoever. And so let's slide on into Spencer Cullum's coin collection on performance anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. That's great. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Cullum. You can buy my new record, Spencer Cullum's Coin Collection on YK Records on the 12th of November. But, more importantly, you can listen to me on Performance Anxiety with the uh, wonderful Mark. Uh, tune in and don't drop in on. 
Oh, really? Okay, yes. that's great. Now, I got like a 45-hour commute each way, so... Oh, Did really? I say 45 hour? I mean 45 minute. <laughs> Whereabouts are you based? Uh, Vir- Virginia. Oh, nice. Okay. I'm nice. about uh, 75 miles due west of D.C. Oh, fantastic. So, oh, that's great. Yes, I'm not too far out. So uh, you ever get a chance to play D.C., I'll be there. Oh, nice. So, I forget what club we usually play. I used to play in D.C. Oh, this is going to... There's the 930... The 9.30 club, that's the one, yeah. Yep. It, yeah. Uh, also, yeah. Black Cat's got a pretty decent setup. Black Cat's, yeah, I remember that, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. There's a bunch of places to play in D.C., so it's uh, it's really, really a, a neat little area to, to to play around. Yeah, yeah, I like it around there, so I'm always a Yeah, definitely, uh, we're in contact. The last time we played there, I was... Playing with a guy called Kyle Brummel from My Morning Jacket. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think it was the Black Cat. It was like an underground. It all just merges into one now. Yeah, like I bet. It's like an underground venue. It's like in a basement, sort of uh, kind of like 300, 400 capacity. I can't okay, remember yeah, now. yeah. That could, that could be the Black Cat. It's. I it's, think it was. Yeah. There's yeah. a the, the the thing that sucks about the Black Cat if you're going there to shoot photos. It's that there's no separation between the stage and the audience. There isn't. No, I did not. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you go to yeah. the nine thirty, there's a, there's a little barrier that you have to stay behind, and media can get in there. I can shoot some photos, but oh, that's great. Not, yeah. not a black cat. You you find a spot at the beginning of the show and you stay there. Yeah, you got. <laughs> for, especially for me, because I'm a short guy. I'm like five foot six, so right. I, I can't. I, I'm not going to be towering over people to take some pictures. I got to. <laughs> I, I got to stake my claim early. That's brilliant. Well, when there's normality to the world and touring is back to normal, I'll let you know when we yeah. pass through D. Thank you for coming on the show. I know we've been chatting for a little while already, and yeah. uh, who knows how much of that will actually make the show. We'll see. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, that's great. No, thank you for having me. Oh, really my pleasure. Great. So I want to know a lot about what you're doing because things like the pedal steel fascinate me. It's just right. such a amazing instrument, and it either sounds amazing when you get somebody like you playing or your mentor, BJ Cole or Ben yeah. Keith or Sneaky Pete. It sounds amazing. You get me on it and it's just going to sound like hot garbage. Killing cats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, yeah. I want to know more about how you got into music. But the first first thing I want to know is, is how hard is that thing to play? Because, I mean, you got it's, it's a pedal steel for a reason. There's pedals and there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really hard. I lost my social life to it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gradually getting back year by year. But they, uh, yeah, you're, you know. you're 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 facetiming somebody on a podcast now. That's your social life. I mean, hey, that's that's ten times better than the, the you know saying in you know in a in a dark room playing pedal steel. When I was like twenty. So oh, but, man. Uh, it's it's similar to like you're using all four limbs. And you have knee levers, you have pedals, and you've got 10 strings. God. And then you got your picks, and then you got your bar in one hand. But I think the hardest thing is just to keep it in tune and to be able to, like, yeah, because you, I'm trying to sort of, like, explain it, like, in a simple way. It's kind of, if you, say, for instance, you're a guitarist and you have, like, you know, you know, like a lap steel guitar, almost a guitar on like a, a table, and you have mm-hmm. the bar across it. 
you're moving that you can keep the bar in one position with a pedal steel guitar okay. and with the pedals and the knee levers you're changing chords it's the only instrument that you could, you're doing wow. with that. You're, not even, you're not even moving the bar so with like uh oh wow yeah, so like um, I have the still next to me, so uh, but like I, <laughs> I, I <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. So if you uh, so you you, it's almost like it's the sound of like BJ Cole calls it like toffee. So you're like you're literally adding all these chords by like moving pedals and moving mechanisms that change pull and uh, pull and release strings. Oh wow! So, I mean, like the guy who designed the the, the concept, Buddy Emmons. It's just a genius. Just like, I don't know how he, he came across that. It's like, mental. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I, I, you know, shot Jackson and Buddy Emmons kind of like, and everything used to be done on like the lap steel guitar, you know, yeah. like West Queen stuff. And then there was a pedal steel it was slowly. It was like Web Pierce and they had one pedal and you could hear the, it wasn't as like harsh as a lap steel. It wasn't as quick. The change signs quick. Okay. But, but yeah, it's uh I mean, uh, yeah, I started going on a tangent on it, but yeah, it's... That's fine. That's what this whole show's about, man. Yeah, yeah. You should have just called it, it Tangents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like Tangent String, yeah. So they are like, they kind of like you are... It's the only instrument where you can kind of merge calls in, calls in one position. It's the only instrument you can do with that, so... That's incredible. But, and it's so it's so emotive. That's what I love about it. I mean, I listen to old Flying Burrito Brothers and oh, it's so good. Yeah. Ben Keith stuff with Neil ben Young. Keith. Yeah, and and of course BJ Cole. I mean, he's done some. He's he's been on some of my favorite albums. Like one of my favorite albums of all time is Richard Ashcroft's Alone with Everybody. Oh he's, yeah, that's a great one. He was oh, he was in the Verve for a little bit. Oh, so, really? He's actually in the yeah, band. He was in the band for a little bit, but wow. he's, he sounds great on that record. Oh yeah, yeah. that's I but love he, that album. He's one of these players that like because I guess I learned steel guitar from like pop records, from Verve records, like through BJ Cole, like. Elton John records yeah. or, you know, Rolling Stones and like Beck, I hear that. And, uh, you know, especially like the Flying Beret brothers. It was like country, but it's like rock and roll sort of stuff. Yeah, psychedelic. So, and- psychedelic, yeah. So when I moved to Nashville, uh, this must have been about 10 years ago, I was more of like a, I don't know, I guess like, you know, not really a country pedal steel player. Okay. And then I started getting sessions and then they're like, can you play like Pete Drake on the 1971 <laughs> Tammy Winnett record? Or, you know, and I was like, oh, I better like, <laughs> I better learn, like, better learn some country music. Yeah. But BJ, BJ's not really a country, but I'm not really a country pedal steel player. I, like, I can play country music, but it's yeah. like, you know, and we're trying to, we're, we're trying to broaden it. We're trying to broaden the steel guitar. So. Well, I, I'm loving what I'm hearing from you, and, and obviously love what I've heard from BJ over the years, but how did you get into music in the first place? I mean, was your family musical? Did they make you play the, the piano when you were a kid or something? What no, uh, yeah, I think, I, I, you know, I like heard like the Beatles, and, you know, same sort of spiel of this, you know, you have your family have a record collection, you found, I found like Sgt. Pepper's, and, you know, I can't remember now, I think like Off the Wall, and then like, you know, and then like, I, got, I found, like, got into guitar playing, Okay. And wanted to be a guitarist and then was like in terrible bands at school and you know <laughs> playing Mustang Sally and you know horrible stuff and, oh bar blues 
yeah, you know, I think you got to go through that. And then playing pub pub gigs, you know. Yeah. My, my dad was a is a lorry driver, ex lorry driver for a brewery for and used to deliver beer, so he knew all the pubs in London. Oh, so he'd like when I was like fifteen, he'd like. Like, oh, my son's in a band, and like, if you get me playing pubs <laughs> in London, so oh, that's then pretty realized, awesome, though. Yeah, it was great, but then I realised like, uh, there's so many guitarists out there. It's just like, and I, I heard like a, a Rolling Stones song, and it's like Al Perkins playing on it. I was like, what the heck is that? Yeah, and it's like, uh, I think it's on Exile on Main Street, and then uh, I kind of like investigate that it's a pedal steel guitar, and so, and then I, I'd kind of, I wouldn't say stalked. But like, uh, I tried to find BJ Cole, <laughs> and just you know, hunting. I guess the internet wasn't as like you know, like you know, you can really find Instagram or you know, Facebook at it. Right, it took a little more I effort. Kind of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I went to one of his shows and I was like, "Can you teach me pedal steel?" Oh wow! And he was like, yeah, I was like, "Please teach me." And he was like, oh, "I don't know." He was, he was, he was kind of like, "Didn't really want it." And then he was like, "Okay, okay." I kept badgering him. So, and then and then he yeah, became friends, and I just go around there and play steel and then get stoned and hang out. And That's awesome. Reminisce about humble pie. With him. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh my yeah. gosh. So how long, how long did he teach you for? How long were you, were you a student? Well, I guess he was like the first time I went there, he kind of said like, no, nope, you're doing it wrong. And then he made me hold my, it's like my left hand. Cause I'm not a fast steel player. It's all like just, you know, text, like, you know, it's just left hand is in for grow. That's the most important part. Yeah. You're holding the bar. And he was like, your bar hands terrible. You're wobbling like that. You know, left and right too fast. You meant to roll the bar. And then he was like, go away. And what I want you to do is, it sounds like drill sergeant. Yeah. Doesn't it? <laughs> and he's like, what I want you to do is go away and, have the bar, hold the bar in your hand when you go out or when you're like, when you're out. So I was always holding this metal bar in my hand forever. Oh, I'm like the tube. I'll be on the London underground and have this bar in my pocket. <laughs> just the most creepiest shit ever. <laughs> and then it made me better. He's like, it needs to, it needs to become like a part of your body and whatnot. Like, like, oh yeah. Yeah. Very but, zen. Uh, yeah. Very zen. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and then I came back He kind of taught me for like a year and then, uh, maybe about a year and a half and then I kind of was like you know hanging out in like pubs and rock clubs and um, you know wanting to play as much pedal still with anyone or anyone that I could play with yeah. so just like you know. were there a lot of people who wanted pedal steel at that time no not in London no yeah. not really I kind of forced my way into like playing with bands and like, we need pedal steel guitar so <laughs> you know it would sound great on this Exactly, yeah. And a lot of it was like, be like, hey, I should come around, come out around the jam, and like, you know, like, let me come over. And then they're like, oh, wow, that sounds great. Yeah. But it was, I was like, there was some, there's some venues in London, and there's called like um, What's Cooking Club, and these are all like Americana based kind of venues because it's so big in in England, like Americana music. Oh, really? It's massive. Yeah, it's wow. like uh, you know, it's got a big, it's got a good following. There's like a lot of clubs that are based, and so it's like what's cooking club and there's a place there was a place we'll come down and meet the folks and there was all these like americana sort of like graham nash uh, sorry graham like parsons wannabe sort of bands but right. like english people like doing it badly so like uh, <laughs> <laughs> with a slight english twist so i'd like kind of say hey i want to play pedal steel for you and kind of you know sound terrible on their shows yeah so, <laughs> so. Right, so i know pedal steels have to be kind of expensive I mean, yeah. And if it's not a really 
big instrument, big, you know, it's not as popular as a guitar or bass drum. No, was no. it, was it hard to come by when you started yeah, learning well, to play? I found a, I can't remember. There was like a guy in Ireland that like dealt with, I think it was like, it was so weird. I think like, cause where my dad was like, knew a lot of like live music venues and he was like, I know a friend of a friend of a friend who thinks he knows a guy that sells pedal steel guitars, <laughs> you know? And I found this guy in Ireland and then I bought like a steel guitar for like 400 pounds, which is expensive when I was, when you're like 18 years old. Oh yeah. And so it's like, and then, and because and I'm, I'm six foot five, I am I'm really tall. So wow. I, had to, I had to put like books on the, uh, underneath the legs to like raise it up. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a cheapy pedal still. Like a lot of them, you can adjust the legs and everything. So oh. there's me going, me, there's me going to show with like the pedal steel and then like books to put the steel on me. <laughs> <laughs> you walk into a gig with a whole bag full of books like, yeah you go yeah yeah that's just shove it underneath yeah but, <laughs> but yeah you know and i guess and then like later on i'd kind of save my money and get like a, a decent one that would like kind of have adjustable legs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think my first one was like a show bud and it was like a nice steel guitar that wouldn't uh okay would stay in would stay in tune so oh know. that's so you ended up coming over to the states but you came you went to detroit before you hit, hit nashville right yeah what were you in detroit was, i was in london and i was trying to find a, a pedals going to as many shows as i could to see like what bands would want pedal steel to, to you know infiltrate them yeah and then I, uh, <laughs> but and then and this band the dead string brothers were playing a show in london and they had a steel player and he was an older guy he was so, and then I went up to the, uh, the lead singer. I was like, Hey man, I, I play, I play pedal steel guitar. I do, you know? And I was like, I love your music. I'd love to, you know, I just want to like tour and, you know, play steel for you. If you're ever around again, I took the number and whatnot. Yeah. And I think this older guy just didn't want to tour. And then this band, they were from Detroit. They were touring from, from the States. And then they, next time they came to England, they were like, we want you to play pedal steel for us. And I guess the, there was a, this, their original steel player was an older guy. I didn't want to do much touring and whatnot. Okay. So I got the job playing for them. And I was the only English guy uh, in the band. The rest of them, they're all from Detroit. And I got on well with all the band. It was like, it was really, it was great. It was just playing steel. And then, I formed such a good relationship with them. They were like, you should come and tour with us in America. And I was like, oh, that, that sounds great. This is it. <laughs> They're like, but it was like intense touring. Like, really? Yeah, just like, you know, sofa surfing. Sort of oh, like. God. But it was brilliant. It was the best time ever, you know. It's they, like, you know, they, they sound like that's the kind of band they would be, intense touring. Definitely. Because they've got that, I mean, it. they could be Sticky Era Finger Stones. It is that. I mean, like the Kurt, the guy, the lead guy was like, that was, that's all he wants to play. And which is yeah. like, that's, I mean, I, the thing is, it, it was like, I think when I was younger, it was, we, we would tour with, a Hammond organ, like a big Hammond organ. He wanted like a Wurlitzer, a giant coffin cabinet, and all 60s drums, like on the stage. So we'd be touring in the States with all this old equipment, lugging it in, in like the most like tiniest dive bars. Yeah. But he wanted it to look so authentic and look like, 
But like, wow. there was, that, I was like, well, that, that, back then, the Stones had roadies. Yeah. We, were like, we haven't got that. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to they, lug a Hammond organ in with... Yeah, it was like a, a heavy Hammond organ, you know, and yeah. he was like, oh, this is all part of it, but... <laughs> and then I, I kind of toured with them and recorded with them for a little while and they kind of got me moved so I did be for it then. at the airport for not having a visa I got kicked oh, out yeah, wow yeah. that's another long story there, <laughs> and but yeah then they got sorted and then you know I kind of was in the dead string brothers like for for quite a while before man I, kind of, I love that band those guys are fantastic I mean I've I've the first time I heard them was was on uh, Starving Winter Report and I just fell in love with it that's, that's, that's when I, I joined that, that that album that tour and that touring cycle that was their, I think that was their like best sort of uh, record I think so. oh, Blindfolded is still one of my favorite songs it's a great song yeah oh. it's a really good song yeah I, I did yeah and I listen to it now and it, it definitely was like I still, it still that record holds up really well. Yeah. I guess it, it it went a bit different when there was a a girl singer called Marsha who was to sing with the band, and yeah. she kind of left, and then it kind of you could see like people started leaving, and it's just like you know it's it's hard to like you know if you just if you're just nonstop on tour, it's hard know. to keep people. That I imagine it's hard to keep people, and, that, and the master and Kurt is a relationship in the band. Yeah, so that was you know you throw that in the mix. That's gonna it's gonna that's never uh, easy. No, it's never easy. And then and she but she when she left, it, it kind of felt like oh, it's not as because we would go over to Spain and because Spanish Spanish love like rock and roll. They love rock and roll. You know, we go to go to Madrid and Barcelona. They'd be like, this is amazing. And be like, we've got kings and kings and queens in Spain, <laughs> but and they loved Marsha the singer. And then when she quit, you could see like people like kind of like, where's Marsha? You know, just yeah. kind of like. But you know, it's still still great. It was like you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean the music has has been great. Everything that I've heard, I've I've loved. So yeah, it's fun. But. So how did sorry? So how did you go from Detroit to Nashville? What, I went back to. Um, England for a little while and I was living in East London like just I, saw, I was busking actually I was kind of like street performing on a like, pedal steel I uh, know with Dobro just like you know, <laughs> playing, playing in Notting Hill earning a bit of money kind of was like went from like sofa surfing in Detroit and like doing like little guide bars to, like busking <laughs> in Notting Hill but and then there was a girl called Caitlin Rose who a guy called Jeremy Fetzer was her guitarist who uh, he kind of uh, emailed me at uh, or MySpace, maybe that was back then. Oh, wow. And said, like, hey, you should come and play pedal steel. I, I think I met him, like, somewhere in Nashville when I was passing for something like that. And then I'd done some shows with Caitlin, and then same sort of thing. She was like, hey, um, if you're touring, if you're, uh, you know, touring, like, we're in Europe with us, why don't you come over and tour in America with us? So, and Caitlin done, like, she, she was, she done, she was doing really, she was blowing up in Europe, like, big venues. Okay. 
is. And she's like, hey, I'm touring with like Justin Townsend and Ron Sexsmith and like over in the States, you want to come? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. So, so you hit a lot uh, of places at the right time. Yeah, and I think because there isn't many pedal steel players. So it's like, I think when an, uh, an artist finds, I don't know, maybe it's about blowing the, the pedal steel trumpet, you know, you know, like <laughs> when an artist finds like a, a steel player, they kind of want to like keep them around because there isn't as many. They're not like on rotations. They're like almost like Linda Ronstadt. She's like kept Dan Dugmore for like the whole oh. of her career. Yeah. And, like, Neil with Ben yeah. Keith. Ben, Neil Young with Ben Keith. It's like, they just like, I think with, I think steel players have that sort of, you know, I think you just. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if you go to Nashville, you know, you throw a rock and you're going to hit four guitar players, you know, you're not going to oh. hit a whole lot of pedal steel players. I mean, you're no, probably hitting more no, in Nashville no. than anywhere else, but you will hit more in Nashville, but there is still is only like, you know, it's like about my age, there's like five or six, you know, wow. about my around, around my age sort of thing. So it's kind of like, they're like working and, you know, and willing to about, tour. Yeah. Oh, that, that like has uh, the just pedal steel guitar, you know, so, <laughs> but so did you get, did you start doing a lot of session work as soon as you hit Nashville or did, did uh, you have to grow into that? Uh, yeah, I, I started doing, yeah, I started, do, I think I, when I went to Nashville, I, I worked on Caitlin's record and, um, and I was working with a guy called Andrew Combs. He was my roommate and he was putting a record out and I'm like, I'll oh, come play on my record. And so I, I kind of like, it was great start to sort of get in the world of sort of, uh, you know, the Nashville recording world and but the number, there's a thing called, I think called the number chart. It's called like the Nashville number chart. And it's where okay. they like put a, the way they read music is with numbers like one, four, five, you know, it's really, it's, it was when they put that in front of me, I was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> yeah. you know? I was like, is it, just tell me it's in G. And then yeah. I had to get like, <laughs> the bass player of the band that like luckily like explained it to me what it is, but I, yeah, I think the Caden and Andrew Combs are kind of, kind of, and, uh, you know, I, they are kind of cut my teeth there, like with the studio. Cause it's so fast in Nashville. Everything's really fast. Oh yeah. Like, you sit down, you put a chart in front of you, da, 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 you know? Yeah. So professional. I mean, it's just, boom. yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't like used to doing it that fast, but I, I, you got, I got better, better at it. And yeah, it's kind of like, but when I first, yeah, when I, when I first like, started doing Nashville session stuff, they were like, put the chart in front of me. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, a minute. hey, what's this called here? It's got a three and a dot on it. it? It's like, you know. I know like, chords with it. letters. I don't know them with numbers. Yeah, exactly. What's chord yeah. three? Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, so that's not a chord, you know. But, uh, but in, the, in the end, I had to, like, get taught how to, how to do that. And all, all I'd be, like, going home and Googling like Nashville number and having to learn it. And so, yeah, but yeah, but yeah it was, it was great though. So now you've done some pretty wild sessions. I mean, with some pretty big names. I mean, I'm looking at a, a, a very short list here, but I'll just throw a few out that, that really blew me yeah. away was, was deer tick, Kesha, tick, yeah. Kesha, Miranda yeah. Lambert, Dolly Parton, I mean, yeah, right. and in, in doing, I'll be honest with you, in doing research for this episode here, this is the very first Kesha song I've ever heard.
I don't know anything. I know the name. I know she's a singer, but that's yeah, about yeah. as far as it went. So I, I, I was exactly the same. So. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I was, yeah, I, I kind of, I, I kind of stop at 1978, and anything after yeah. that, it gets a bit hazy. <laughs> but no, well, she Kesha like. Uh, there's a band that are playing called Steelism. Yes. And uh, they're with like psychedelic instrumental music with a guy called Jeremy Fett. So it's like guitar and steel. It's all like instrumental. And Kesha was a fan of Steelism. I guess with like Nashville, wow. it's so easy to like keep putting records out. And I guess with like, like that, it's like it's, it's, you're in Nashville and you just keep outputting as much output as possible. And something's going to happen. Right. I guess that's, that's I, if, you know, it's so easy to do. I feel like it's a lot easier to do that in Nashville than it is anywhere in, in, in the world, I think. You know, London, it's, like, it's so hard to make a record. Really? Yeah, you know. Wow. It's, it's, it seems like, but over here, it's just like you you want Charlie McCoy from, you know, who played on Simon and Carfunkel. You know, he's, he'll be here in 20 minutes. Jeez. Or, you know, just like, it's like Nashville's got that vibe about it. So, yeah. you know, it's easy to do that. And so Kesha, like, I, I put, we put all these Steelism records out through 30 Tigers and Single Log, this, this label. And Kesha heard uh, that, that band and she wanted Steelism like, to play on a, on, on a song. That's awesome. Yeah. So and, and it was great because we could kind of like, be because uh, it was like our band, so it's like yeah. our baby. Yeah, like we yeah. can kind of like we didn't feel as like uh, hired guns, and like you know, okay, you know, it didn't feel as like here's a chart to do this. We felt like oh, this is the band, you know. We, me and Jeremy, could kind of like arrange, and, and you know, it was pretty wild. There was like, she's lovely. She's really sweet. She's, uh, but there was like someone from vice magazine and i guess we, this was like the she was like you know recording and being like on the down low with her music and kind of like being quiet and everything about it okay but there was like so many people in the studio it was like an entourage <laughs> <laughs> It was like so many people just oh like my gosh. vice magazines here so like you know and then the management are here you oh, know geez. So there's like Vice, while we're recording, there's like Vice magazine just knocking over microphones and oh, everything. <laughs> I thought like, I do enjoy your do enjoy your journalism, but, but please. But it was great. <laughs> yeah. But she wrote this song. I guess her mum wrote this song, and then she like Dolly Parton covered it or something like that. I think uh, like there was like a uh, some sort of connection with her mum, and then Dolly, Dolly sang on it. Wow, uh, which, is, which is pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, the queen. You know? Yeah, I know. You, you don't get much better than that. I mean, yeah. everybody yeah. loves Dolly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. And, and, I, and from what I've heard, she's just an awesome person. So, Yeah, well, yeah. Now, you also played and you, and you toured with Miranda Lambert. Am I right with that? I still do, yeah. I still, I still, I still tour with Miranda. We, um, I've been with her for like four years now. It's a really good gig. She can like uh, 
she lets us be expressive, lets us do what she's a great hang. She has this like airstream she takes with us on tour and we just like get drunk and listen to Guy Clark songs and she can sing like every Guy Clark word. Yeah, she's like a deep country music love lover, you know, it's like she's very she's very um yeah, she's great. She's a she lets us kind of like be expressive and and I think because of me touring with her for a little while, she was like, You should play my record, so which was nice. So how did you meet up with her and get that gig? I met up with her through a guy called Ian Fitchuk. She needed a steel player, and there's a guy called Ian Fitchuk who is uh, a drummer. But now he used to be a drummer. He still is a drummer. He's a now he's like a, a, a really well-known producer. He produced Casey Musgraves' new record. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. But, um, and he kind of they were like, we need a steel player, and like I've done sessions with him and. And he was like, I, mean, I know this guy. I know this strange British steel player. That <laughs> <laughs> puts books under his pedal steel. Yeah. <laughs> Walks around with a library. I don't. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you you're touring with Miranda Lambert. You're playing with you know Kesha and, and Dolly Parton, and you're, you're in Nashville. Are you, uh, have you been, become a country fan or you, I mean, were you a country fan to start with? Or you... I was, I was, I liked all the, which I do like country music. I, I, I was always into like, I guess, like you mentioned, like Flying Burrito Brothers. Yeah. I got into that first. I got into like rock and roll country. And then from that, I got into like Bill Haggard. Okay. Yeah, and oh yeah. Clark, and then, and then I lived with a guy called Andrew Combs. Happy song. Offended, I set down my glass. and recorded his on these records and he kind of like showed me like Willie Saddam Ramsey and like a lot of like Texas songwriter country 70s. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, like John Hartford. Oh, like, I guess I've always, I do love country music. I guess I'm always like meant more towards like hippie country. Oh, okay. You know, okay. kind of, I was in Alabama for years. My brother uh, went to university down there and we'd, I'd hang, we'd hang out. And before that, I lived in New Jersey. So I was. I was a rock guy. I always liked alternative yeah. and rock. And I mean, like, Alabama's, I mean, Birmingham, Alabama, Tuscaloosa is a rock and roll Tuscaloosa. city. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, my brother lived in Tuscaloosa because he went to the university. So we were in Tuscaloosa for oh, nice. two or three years. I would go up. I lived like three hours south of him, but I would drive up to go to the, every like every home football game. And it, this is when they Alabama kind of sucked. When football, they were in a, they were in a lull. This is like the late nineties. And oh, okay, uh, but um, it was man. I'll tell you, you, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing. Obviously, Skinnerd, but I mean, you know, yes. David Allen Coe and oh, wow. uh, yeah. Chris Christopherson, you know, all the outlaw guys. That yeah, was yeah. was big. Drive by truckers were huge, you know, were becoming huge. So, I used, to, I mean, I guess they, they, they kind of manifested that sort of outlaw thing that they kind of like, you know, they yeah. like, you know, they you know. Ca- yeah, they kind of uh, updated it a bit at that time. They they took a, a lot of what they would listen to because Patterson's dad 
is uh, owns you know is, I guess he owns it and is, is the basis at Fame, isn't he? At Muscle Muscle Show. Oh yeah, David Hood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So which you guys recorded there at Steelism, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. We done a, we we tracked our first record there. that kind of music did it meet your expectations oh yeah it's like um so our first record was under a label called single lock and they had connections it was ben tanner from the alabama shakes oh, okay and yeah. john paul white and a guy called will trap and they and they wanted to there's a guy called lee shook who was a radio dj showed uh our i think we had like a seven inch house and they showed it to them and they were like, we should put your first record out. And so they were like, well, you can just do it down here at fame studios. And I was like, Oh my God, that's wow. amazing. Of course we'll do it down there. <laughs> you know, and like, we could like, you know, and this was when, uh, I forget his name now. This is Rick, the guy that used to run it. After, yeah. I mean, he died, he died a year ago. Then he probably won't be listening. So, it's well, a- yeah, but I mean, like, if there's any like Alabama friends like from like Marshall Shows, they'd be like, "You idiot, Rick Hall." That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank God. I mean, I'm sure like if they had it, like, oh, it? you know, yeah. yeah. We just so, had to keep it going. We had to just keep 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 the conversation going. We knew it. We knew it. We'd yeah, exactly. It. Yeah, yeah. But he he was still running the place, and we'd go in there like uh, we'd be able to have the whole like they like single look lock. Like the Ben Tanner had like the engineering key, so when like they finish up at like six, students would be able to go there and just stay till like three in the morning. Wow! So and it's like you know, it was it hasn't changed a bit. The console was still like the channel's like, <laughs> so it's like, well, this is a twenty-eight uh, track console, but we've only got twelve tracks because everything's broken, <laughs> and like and like it's and it like there's, there's like. One inch thick rugs everywhere that just are like you can tell they've just oh. been like the carpet is just oh the carpet so it's like one inch thick like brown do you know that seventies brown carpet yes very very you know, with that and it just smells like you know the grandma's house <laughs> but I wouldn't want anything else right that's, they haven't changed it all these other studios are like dated and like but this is and it is like. You know, our favorite session musicians like David Hood, Roger Hawkins, like all like the Paul Simon stuff, the Aretha Franklin stuff has been trapped in there. So it's like, yeah, we were like kids in candy. The Stones, Otis. The Stones, yeah. Primal Screams. Yes. I think it was Arden, actually. Yeah. But they, uh, yeah. But that was like David Hood and Roger Hawkins. But they, uh, yeah, they, 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 there's so much good records. They're like Dwayne Allman, you know, yeah. it's like, but, you know, it's kind of like, Mass, Muscle Shoals is such like a sleepy town that there's so much talent there. There is, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of sleepy towns in Alabama. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, was, I mean, I, I, so you said your brother was in Tuscaloosa. Yes. There was a band that used to knock around there that I used to, Dead Strings used to play some shows with called the Dexatines. They were like a, a, some of the drive by truckers were in that band, I think, or something like that. Oh. They were just the most loudest. <laughs> 
punk rock band ever. Like it was just like peeled a paint off walls. Oh man! And, and it's possible that I saw him. I was just too drunk to remember. <laughs> well, that's, that's, yeah, that's it was usually after a football game, and so we were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I like Birmingham as well. I've had some oh, great times. I love there, Birmingham. So. Yeah, it's yeah. that whole area, and and. You know, Tuscaloosa is about an hour west of Birmingham. Birmingham is about an hour west of Atlanta. So yeah. not a far drive to get to go to go see. I mean, I saw Oasis at, in Atlanta one year. I mean, oh, it, was, wow. it was just a really super quick trip to go. I mean, it was nice and easy. A lot of really mm-hmm. cool places to play. It gets a bad rap, but there's a there's a lot of neat stuff down there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, when's the place we play? Still doesn't play in Mobile or Mobile. 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 Yeah, Mobile. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always like that's like right next to kind of New Orleans. It's kind of like you know, it, it, New and it butts right up on Pensacola. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, oh, yeah. there's a place called Callahan's, which is like a fantastic okay. venue. And, you know, yeah. But yeah, you know. Yeah, you know, I like, love Mobile. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. I love the yeah, whole no, Gulf Coast. Alabama, you know, it might be states and, you know, racial hatred and whatnot, but, you know, it's got it's, great. You know. Yeah, I mean, and, it, you know, it it's changed a lot. It it, 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 it really has. I mean, since this, yeah. since all the upheaval in the 60s, I mean, it gets a bad yeah. rap. And, and anywhere you go, you're still going to get some of that. But, you know, it's... I think, yeah, it seems like it's changing, fingers crossed, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, I'll, look, I'll, 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 I'm... Don't know if I'm going to get anybody angry with this, but I don't care. Yeah. I, I actually, I grew up most of, most of my childhood was in New Jersey, between Virginia and New Jersey, right. and found more of that uh, racial issues in New Jersey than I d- ever did in Alabama. Wow, interesting. Yeah, so, yeah. but I mean, I lived in New Jersey for 15 years and Alabama for 10. So wow, so yeah, you got you got a good uh, insight on both. Yeah. Thanks. See the, the the thing for that I discovered Alabama is so poor that yeah. everybody kind of has to work together to make things happen and to, to they don't yeah. there just isn't a whole lot of time for for nonsense anymore. So yeah, a lot of people I mean, get over. I feel like and there's so much good musicians coming out of Alabama, like like Jason Isbell, and like, oh, yeah. I feel like they're they're like raising you know uh, they're becoming a voice for the. You know, for you know the good, the good part of Alabama. Yeah. You know, you know, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Steelism. Did, right. did you guys start that as soon as you got to Nashville? And uh, is is it basically just the two of you? Because I know on the first couple of releases it was all instrumental, but on the later stuff, there's a, there's a few vocal tracks. Yeah. Uh, so the first record we like, uh, we started it on tour just as a joke, really. <laughs> and I, I would say, like, you know... Is that why you did um, the Batman theme? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, everything's a joke. I mean, like, <laughs> music is... Like, uh, but um, the, we started it touring with 
Caitlin Rose, and then we were like in sound checks. You know, we'd we'd start to like, mess around with songs and kind of like backstage, we kind of start writing instrumental songs and whatnot. And then I used to say, well, I'm going to form my own band called Steelism and we're going to, you know, <laughs> I, I have our own label called Pie Face Records and they're going to put our records out. I just make up stupid shit. Right. And then, uh, and then kind of we, Jeremy was like, we should record something. And then we kind of started recording an EP and then it, we just kind of, the monster was born. It started snowballing like, Oh yeah. You know, then, got our record label with single lock and then started doing our first record and then our second record. So, so you guys have a, a great vintage sound with the, with the band. Do you use a lot of vintage equipment? Yeah. I, I mean, like, I, yeah, yeah. we're all like, uh, we're quite snobbish with it. So, you know, not um, as bad as the dead string brothers. I mean, you're not, you're I, think, with- uh, I think they're probably like, uh, rubbed off on me really. Uh- I mean, right, yeah. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I guess I like old sixties amplifiers and old sixties gear and sixties pedal steels. And, yeah, you know, and like we like tracking to tape. And so do, you, do you tour yeah. with a lot of the old stuff, or do you have to find yeah, something that emulates it? Old yeah, I always tour with an old sixties Princeton. And and what about I, the effects? Because you guys you have some really awesome effects on that pedal steel. So yeah, are those vintage I, too? Yeah. Yeah, no, they're kind of new. I have like a, I used to have like a tape echo that I used to take on tour, and now that just stays at home. No, oh, yeah. But like a lot of the stuff, you know, is a pedal board uh, that I take. But now, you know, I, I, I guess I have been with pedal steel. Like there's a, yeah, the, the one thing with Nashville, well, not Nashville. I think the pedal steel community is like a lot of old, older pedal steel. Well, not all of them, you know, uh, are very like want to keep the pedal steel guitar like a traditional sound okay if it ain't country then you know it's like you know i ain't gonna listen to it right so uh, you know i guess with like i'm trying to like add effects and you know and, you know make it and that's been going that's been used for years like sneaky pete had like fuzz steel guitar oh, and stuff like that. the first time i heard that it blew me away yeah, it's like it's like this spaceship, you know, and he's got all these controls in his steel guitar. So, and I guess I've always kind of like wanted that same sort of thing with my steel guitar. I've always like dabbled in like you know delays and fuzz yeah. and like you know, kind of a, you know, making it not just a country in- instrument, which which I kind of do with steelism. So, well, now the, on the tracks that you have vocals, are you guys the ones writing the lyrics, or are the the guest singers writing the lyrics for those tracks? Uh, they're, they're half and half. They're like we write the song, and then they'll kind of write the lyrics, and we'll go back and forward and kind of. So we have like uh, Jesse Balin and Andrew Combs wrote the lyrics for this song, and then we just kind of added music to it. So we kind of never really delved into. Uh, lyrics when we were doing studios and we kind of let the singers do that. So. But now you're you're delving into lyrics with the new yeah. album that you're doing. Yeah. So, okay. Before we get into too much of that, I want to know. It's called Spencer Combs Coin Collection. Yes. Where did that name come from? Uh, I just like the ring of it, and it kind of I like the idea of like having these coins and using it as like all these a collection of folk singers and musicians and artists, okay. and, you know, and like, I like, you know, it sounds like, so like anorak, anorak, you know, like train spotter almost, right. you know, <laughs> this is my coin, this is my coin collection, you know, you know, 
very sort of nerdy. Yeah. Coins, yeah, and like, stamps. Oh, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's perfect. You know, it's kind of like, it's me like having like, uh, you know, being able to like select artists that I'm a fan of and uh, to help me make this record who are willing to do it. So, yeah. so who do you have on this album? I know you've got a bunch of people helping you out with it. Yeah, uh, i got uh, this girl called Erin Ray, who's a great uh, folk singer in town. Uh, Kaylin Rose, um, Scott, a guy called Skyway Man, who's like a James, James Wallace, who's like a psychedelic sort of a singer-songwriter, kind of sings like space sort of like, you know. Uh, Luke Reynolds, who and he does a lot of stuff with uh, Sharon Vonnet, and then he's a guitarist. I met him through... Um, uh, for, he played on Miranda Lambert's records. He does, and he's okay. A, he was he's in Gusto as well, and he kind of played all like tape effects and kind of like the E. Brianino sounds. Oh, cool! Um, yeah. There's a picker in town called Sean Thompson who plays like Bert Yanks. He's like and Richard Thompson. He's just like unbelievable like acoustic picker. Wow! Uh, I'm trying to think now. I should. There, there is more. Annie Williams, a fantastic singer in town, who's is beautiful, you know. Uh, and then there's Jim Hoke. There's always all. There's a plethora of music. Yeah, people. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's fun, and I like the idea of like being able to having like I've been really into like uh, almost like the idea of like it being like a cult. You know, like how like, <laughs> like, uh, but like a fake cult. You never know. Maybe, Spencer maybe. Cole's version of Jonestown. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more like English and not as much death. Yeah, yeah. But like you know, but like a <laughs> Bovril <laughs> instead of Kool Aid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes, yes. A polite version. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> mustard instead. Yeah, yeah but like, <laughs> but I do like the idea. Like, there's these all these scenes in England, like like Canterbury music scene, which is like Soft Machine and like Gone and Kevin Ayres and all these kind of like uh, folk scenes that were in london i was like you know there's so many good like folk musicians in nashville it's like it'd be great to kind of like have like a sort of collective of on a, on a record yeah i mean like, i did i wrote the songs but it's nice to kind of share them with like people that i'm a fan of right and i, I like the idea of like i don't I, I, whenever touring it's perfect really because covid happened or the pandemic happened and i'm you, you talk about this. Uh, when I first saw this, it's an anxiety podcast. I was like, oh, this is brilliant because I suffer from terrible stage anxiety. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, and I was like, I, I can't. I'm going to try to adapt. I need to now because I've kind of dug my own, you know, hole. But yeah. I need to now perform these songs. Right. right. And I, I'm used to, like, being hiding behind a pedal steel guitar. I can't. So I need to, like... So I was like, okay, we're going to put this out and I'm going to have to perform. And then the pandemic, I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Delay. <Get> delays. <laughs> yes. So. <laughs> oh, man. So were you writing these songs over the, the course of, of working with Miranda and Steelism and all that? Or, or did you write them specifically uh, for this album? I took a, uh, I was touring a lot. And then I was with Miranda, and then we was—I was also touring a lot with Steelers, and we was out with Carl Braymore from My Mom and Jacket. We was like opening for him, and then like being in his backing band, mm-hmm. and that and that was great. It was really good. And then, but I got off the road, and I was just like burnt out, just really kind of like uh, I was just like I was like I want to do something where 
I write songs and kind of have the idea of just producing like, and I've always wanted to make like a, a quintessential like English folk record. Okay. But with like, that is like, but that's very like, not throwback, but it's, you know, kind of harkening like 60s Fairport Convention, all these like famous English folk bands. Okay. And I honestly think there's like so many good Nashville players that do that here, but aren't really like, don't really get the, exposure of like you know okay well yeah because yeah, that's not what nashville's for that's not what nashville's for yeah no it's it's like for country music but there is like a good, i honestly there's great like folk musicians here like uh there's so many there's a band called ornament which is like a pop sort of like um uh, folk band that's like these young kids they're like 18 years old and oh, just wow. like and then uh, Sunseeker, and they're like I'm third man, and they're like young young people. And then Skyway Man, obviously, it was, it was on my record. that like you know kind of play each other's records and whatnot and i was like oh i might try and try and uh, manipulate that and use that for my own benefit yeah. <laughs> so. so did you decide consciously to to sing your own songs just to kind of get over that performance anxiety yeah, that you had? i wanted it to sort of sound like english okay. and i was like but i wanted yeah. the musicianship to be really good yeah <laughs> So, so, yeah. You're making it sound so, like they're mutually exclusive. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to sound English, but good. Yes. <laughs> well, I guess it's like, I'm not going to name names. There's a whole thing like, there's this English folk scene in England. And it was like, I guess it was like in the late 2010s, where there's all these like folk bands that I'm doing like the, the commas, you know, folk bands that were like the coming airports. out of England. Yeah, yeah. They're coming out of England and they were, you know, some of them were huge stars, you know, huge music stars now. But there was like this scene in England and it was just, it didn't like bring any of like the older folk music of the 60s and 70s that England was really good at. You know, like there's like right. a guy called John Martin who was like, oh, yeah, um, yeah. Like unbelievable, like English folk musician, like the band Danny Thompson was like the bass up, but unbelievable, like musicians were like coming out there. And I was like hanging out in England when I was learning steel or like playing steel guitar. I was like, "This is." And it says we're like this folk West London folk scene. I was like, and I was like, they're not musicianship isn't as like you know as grade A as what it was in the sixties and seventies. Now I sound yeah. like I sound like an old commodity sort of like yeah, I wasn't as good as I was in the sixties and seventies. But there's this. There is this like group of younger players, younger than me, because I'm getting on a bit. But like, um, you know, that are like that kind of are really influenced by that English folk thing, and like okay. play that way, like and do it really well. Okay. But obviously in their own sort of stance, but like you know, they've really like studied it well. And I kind of. I thought I'll take I'll take some of that and yeah. put it on my record. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been I've really been enjoying it. I I like the song to be blinkered. I love oh, the, right. the little atmospheric things you've got, like the birds chirping and all. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. The whole to me, the entire album kind of 
sounds like you could fit every single song right in the middle of Pink Floyd's metal. Oh yeah, that's I love all that stuff. Yeah, so like, I, oh yeah, that, that's like if if metal was a double album, it could you know your album could be one half and metal would be the other half. It's just it so, yeah, yeah, yeah. really goes together. But all right, and I know I'm gonna butcher this. Oh no, you're all right. But the song Dietrich Buxtehude. Buxtehuda. Yeah, you said it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. How yeah. did you... I, I read up... I, I had no idea who in the hell that was until I heard your song. And so he's a Danish-German organist and composer of the Baroque period. Yeah. How did you pick that for a song oh, yeah. and an influence and title? I was, I was in Buxtehuda in Germany, touring, and it was beautiful. And I was like, I had a couple of days up there. And uh, this was years and years ago. And yeah, I, I was just out there. I was like, Bookstore is like one of my favorite places in Germany. Okay. And then I've like read that, like that composer, like would visit there and whatnot. And I kind of like dedicated it to him and then kind of made a, I like, it's kind of like, I know like Germans find it offensive to call it crowd rock music. <laughs> I hate the word crowd rock because, you know, I would, you know, it's kind of like, I think English called it crowd rock, didn't they? But yeah, um, so. <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of like, I kind of did made this like crowd rock song. dedicated to this beautiful place in Germany that I like okay. stuff, you know, so. yeah. and it was like the, yeah like the idea of like slap rock sort of like uh, uh, textures in there of like you know but yeah it was a okay. you know, kind of a mash of that so well, that's, that's yeah. one of my favorite tracks on the album I absolutely love that song that and I love the uh, that fuzzed out solo on my protector oh yeah I that, love all that so that, that's Sean Thompson and it's like that Robert Fripp sort of uh, yeah. you know oh. kind of Man, that, that is such a cool solo, and I just it fits the song. It, it just and it's and you know it's a little low in the mix, which I love. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was, yeah, it makes like, you pay attention to it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's and it was like, a, you know, it, it, it definitely was like how sort of like going into like this doesn't matter if it's like not. Uh, catchy. <laughs> it's just got to be like, uh, you know, sonically like interesting. Right, right. You know, like, like sonically challenging, almost like how you would like, you know, like in very like how like Robert Fripp or Eno would promote, like, you know, approach a song. So yeah. I guess all, all of all of that lot that were called on the record, uh, drummer Don Billet and like uh, Sean, the guitarist, is like they're, they're very into like that Eno Fripp sort of like weld of like you know, okay. guitar and so, so we kind of that sort of a uh, textural sort of sonic sort of uh, palette something. Well, the one thing that's not a huge presence and an obvious presence at least is the pedal steel. 
No, no, he's only on a couple of songs. So. Yeah, so it was that yeah. a, a conscious decision to just keep, keep it off, and, and was it more to so you could work on your singing, or was it just you? Yeah, that, no, you writing songs. It was always there. It's always there in the background, and like we kind of, it was always in the studio as well. And like I'd, I'd play, I think there's like three songs it's on, but it was just it's just only when it was needed, you know. It was just right. like, you know, if, if I, I kind of if you listen to like a lot of those records, like especially the pop, the sixties. British pop records and they if they do have pedal steel they're only on like three songs and I didn't want it to be too I I, I do feel like the pedal steel can like across borders from a lot of genres but I feel like whenever I go to the pedal steel it's almost like my hiding place okay Uh, you know I I always hide behind it and if I'm not behind the pedal steel I'm not hiding I didn't want to hide behind anything you know I wanted to kind of embrace new stuff that would make me like nervous and like so it would sound naive almost like so I'm playing guitar and singing which I've never really done before so okay before we started recording this you were doing a session yeah so all right so first of all can you tell us a little bit about what you were working on and then whether or not you can I, I am curious as to how session work has changed since the pandemic is you know is it are you able to go into studios are you doing it remotely and, and sending your tracks in. How has it changed since everything kind of hit the fan? It's busy. I've been busy. Oh, it's good. crazy. I mean, like everyone, when it first happened, I was doing stuff at home, which is fine. I, I like playing pedal still in, in my underwear, drinking coffee. <laughs> Who doesn't? You know, yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> you know, no one tells me what I do. But, but like, uh, <laughs> Uh, and then, like the first, when they figured out that just everyone can go in and just wear a mask and keep distant. And if you're doing a record, I've done this record recently with a guy called Jay Joyce, who's a producer in town, and he's like, and he's with a guy called Charlie Walsh, and he's like a country country picker, fantastic country picker. Okay, yeah. And uh, he, it was like a one week record. And so because that you have to get tests before you go in. And so um, yeah, everyone's just, everyone's, it's, it's actually getting, it's, you know, I still have no idea how the industry just, you know, the machine works. Yeah. It's just boggles me. I'm just like this Londoner who plays pedal still. And it just, I, I, I guess there's a lot of music being made. People are still putting stuff out, but. Oh yeah. You know, I, the only way I can like, I obviously my money comes from a tour of Miranda and like doing session stuff in town. But like, if I want to make, if I want to make money from like this coin collection thing, I have to like tour from it. Right. So I I wonder how I do wonder how people are managing to make records and make money from it. It's it's, it's crazy. It's bizarre really. Cause I'm like, you've got, touring is like a big part of selling records so it's, yeah and, and I've, I've seen some bands and some solo artists do some live streaming but i don't know if they're making any decent amount off of that you know i, I just yeah. don't know but it's been busy like before i came here i do a lot of <laughs> big tactile i'm trying to be tactful about this <laughs> uh, uh, no, nobody's listening it's all right <laughs> you never know uh, <laughs> you never know I do a lot of stuff where it's like um, like country demo work. So okay. a lot of like songwriters will come in and do. I try not to do as much of it as possible. But when like I'm like, oh shit, I'm a bit broke. 
and I'll like be like, hey, I'm, I can do, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Like, when a lot of it is like country uh, songwriter demo sort of stuff where it's like, you know, they're just demoing songs to pitch to whoever, I don't know, famous people. I don't know what, oh, whoever. so it's like, it's like the songwriters are, are demoing it to send out to people to, to sell. Them. Yeah, and then they hire like a band. Okay. And they're like session guys, and then they were like, they were, it's crazy. They were like, called it like Blackbird Studios, all these, all these, all these studios, and they're like very like high end studio, yeah, like quality demos. I, 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 it's nice that I get to kind of play with Miranda, who I respect as a songwriter, and then I guess yeah. do Steelism and do my own stuff. And I, I enjoy like being uh, having like Miranda, Miranda, because I can kind of pick and choose what sort of music I yeah. Can do because it's like you know I, i'm a bit of a i guess i'm a bit of a snob i'm not snooty i guess i'm a bit of a snob you know when it comes to hey you guys sometimes you have to be because yeah definitely there's, there's yeah. yeah i mean there, there's times like if somebody asked me to be a guest host on a show i wouldn't want to do something where that, that i didn't like you know, something no, that was like a cookie yeah. cutter. And like, like yeah. when I started doing this podcast, I didn't want it to be like, all right, I've got these bullet point questions. I'm going to have yeah. these 10 questions and that's what I'm going to ask you. And then it's over. I want it to be more of a conversation. So if yeah, somebody, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So if somebody wanted me to do a, a show like that, I don't think I, I could, I'm mean, not like I'm making any money off of this thing, but just because yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be comfortable doing that. No, you're right. And it's, and it's something where you're, it's like an artistic expression that you want to kind of keep, you know, you know, your heart in it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, you know, and like, exactly. yeah, whether it's a painting or music or a podcast, you know, or whatever, you know, it's, it's still got, you know, you still need to keep your personality in it. And when, like, yeah. when you start to, when I, I do know it's whenever I do like the demo world, I start to become sound like a plug-in. Like, uh, like, a, like a, that's the set like you know i always go for the same thing all the time you know yeah. and I, I almost like listen i'm like God, i hang on you know is it because i feel like the tie is getting done up to, to yeah you know, see i can feel like you know well on those suit. you also don't get a lot of input on that i imagine right they're just telling no, you what to I'm, play I'm, I, I say about three words yeah you know, <laughs> like, sounds, sounds nice yeah you know, and have a cigarette outside <laughs> mum's up yeah <laughs> I love mum's up I love pickup trucks yeah, yeah. 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 hope you know. your dog yes. feels better don't your dog dog and beer and yeah. Budweiser yeah in the back of the truck yeah I do that all the time yeah, yeah <laughs> hope you learn your lesson with the next whore yes exactly yeah it's it's, <laughs> it's very yeah, the lyrics are, the lyrics are kind of uh, they're very uh What's the word? Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't. I, I have trouble relating to it because you know, <laughs> I, I can't really say. Well, you should put about having a cup of tea, exactly. And Coleman's mustard and <laughs> beans on toast. That's right. so, yeah, that's my input. Nice cup of bovril. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice cup of bovril, and then that'll be it. Yeah, so I can't really. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my, my input won't be that, that great for it. Well, see, maybe yeah, maybe that's that's why it's it's hard for you to, to just put your heart into that stuff because it's not what you grew up with. No, it isn't. No. So you don't relate, like you said, you don't relate to some of it. I mean, and I'm sure being in Nashville now, you kind of relate to some of it, but not all of it because no, it's exactly. and it's, and it's nice. Some stuff I do get called on. They'll call me for like what I project with like the sort of music I'm into and yeah. kind of like, and the way I, I play, you know, and I kind of like that, you know, it's like, 
Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and the way you play is fantastic. I love, I can definitely oh, hear the BJ Cole influence. Oh yeah. He's, it's, yeah, he was my, he's my sensei. You know, I, so. Yeah. I, I love him to death. I love his everything that I've heard him on has just been amazing. I, I was looking at a list this afternoon. I'm like, just, God, I know that one. I know that. I know that. I don't know. Oh, that. So Sting, uh, Beck, Bjork. It's yeah, just like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's played with so many people. So. See, I had I had a slight li- little list here. It's um, yeah, Elton John, Sting, John Cale, Beck, Richard Ashcroft. Yep. So. Again, that's that's the one thing because I think that was the first album I ever actually noticed who was playing uh, the the pedal steel, and so I, then I went started to go back and 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 like, oh, he's on that album that I have, and he's on that album, yeah, that I have. yeah. And his his playing is is very, you, you know, you can pick it out, and so I can hear his influence on you, you know. At, I can hear that he taught you a lot because your yeah. phrasing and all is is similar in in some aspects. Yeah, I definitely like uh, his phrasing. Is his phrasing so like not country? Yeah, but it's it's like uh, yeah, he's it's just he's just so like groovy. Oh yeah, like, you know, just like he's a very like cordial and just yeah, he's <laughs> he's a really really yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of him. He uh, he's a I, I actually speak to him. I spoke to him about three weeks ago. I kind of I make sure he's with he's doing all right with the pandemic and whatnot. So. Oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> I may have to reach yeah. out to him then. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. oh yeah, you should get him on your show. You just yeah. Oh, he'd love that. Yeah. I would, damn, I would love it because yeah. I got so many questions about some of the people he's worked with. <laughs> oh man, oh yeah, he he'd, like, he'd love that actually. He's a yeah, he he's he's a really cool dude. He just oh, like he's a his knowledge of music is fantastic and he's just like a real cool hang, you know? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, look, I've kept you for over an hour at this point. So I, oh, I like it. It's great. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for time. Oh, good. That's wonderful. That's, that's the goal, man. I, I want to hear some good stories and I want to, I want to have a nice talk with some of my favorite artists and some of my new favorite artists. And I'm loving the new album. The coin collection oh, is just really so much, cool. Man. Yeah. It's, I really like this. It feels like a, a chat with someone in a, in a pub. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.